The 2022 Audio Description Awards Gala will premiere on November 29 at 7.30 Eastern. In recent years, there has been enormous success in expanding audio description for audiences who are blind, low vision, or who have other sensory disabilities that create barriers to full inclusion in the visual media. The Audio Description Awards Gala will celebrate the best of the best. Thomas Reed with Audio Description Voice Artist Navratiti Matos Alaveras will honor outstanding achievements in audio description in media and expand awareness of its benefits. Join us for this exciting event featuring special celebrity guests and celebrating audio description on www.adawardsgala.org, Pluto TV, and ACB Media 6. Join ACB for this special event and celebrate achievements in audio description in media. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Maria Christich, I'm the chair of the International Relations Committee, and welcome to everyone who is tuning in live in any of the ways that we are being broadcast tonight or via the recording. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over this is a co-sponsored event between the International Relations Committee of ACB and ACB students. So I will be turning it over to Meryl from the International Relations Committee and Malia from ACB students to take us forward. Meryl and Malia. Thank you so much, Maria. Um, I want to thank everybody for coming from around the nation and around the world. And as you will see, we are going to have some questions that are going to be very fast paced, but at the same time, they will be very interesting to learn about these awesome students and how they are faring in the U.S. Um, so I would like to to ask the first question, uh, which is, and I'm going to start with Javier. Um, can you tell us about your journey up to uh, up to being a student in the U.S. and what were you your experiences like as a blind or low vision person in your, your country of origin? Sure. Hello, everybody. So good to be here. Thank you, Maria, Meryl, Maria, for putting this together. And I'm looking forward to sharing a little bit about myself and my journey, as well as learning about those of my other panelists. Um, I was born in Mumbai, India, and I have an elder sister. I have my parents, all of whom are still back at home there. Excited to be visiting them over winter break. So that's on the horizon. I was sighted at first. I had a bunch of eye operations, experienced progressive vision loss. And over the course of ages five to about 12, I lost the entirety of my eyesight. I think in that phase, I tended to try to stick to the sighted ways of doing things because that was the only way I knew of at the time. But as soon as I became fully blind, I was forced to adapt. And I was really, really fortunate to find some wonderful people, mentors, trainers, who took me under their wing and 
exposed me to assistive technology through which I could continue my education in my same mainstream school competitively. To positive blind role models who were succeeding and excelling in all walks of life and to just generally the prospect of living a fulfilling and rich life as a blind person. I participated in many extracurriculars in school back in India, whether it was science fairs, robotics competitions, tech quizzes, model United Nations conferences, hackathons, speech and debate, whatever I could get my hands on, could find on Google or could convince my teachers to allow us to participate in, I would do it. And I think that exposed me and helped me grow in directions and ways that I wouldn't otherwise have. So those are experiences I'm really grateful for. As a blind person in India, resources and support structures are certainly scarce. And you sort of got to make the most of what you have within those constraints and are also required to figure out a lot of things on your own, given the circumstances you're placed in. In my case, I did not quite receive any of my school textbooks in accessible electronic formats from the public school district or any other authority who would take responsibility for that. That was something that my mother, who wasn't even particularly literate in English or technology, had to figure out to use Kurzweil and a flatbed scanner to scan my textbooks manually page by page and then to proofread them painstakingly every sentence by sentence. And I was also an active participant in that process, whether it be through contributing by scanning as many pages as I could or typing up all of the sections that the OCR failed to pick up on thanks to my higher typing speed. In fact, much of my Hindi notes, Hindi OCR is unfortunately still fairly primitive. I had to manually type up as my mom or another person dictated them to me. So that and other instances when you're supposed to advocate for yourself to be allowed to use a computer as an accommodation in the test taking process because there isn't any precedent or established structure for that just were experiences that were formative in my development, development as a self-advocate, development as someone who could figure out workarounds to the situations I was in, and to someone who could just take challenges head on. Of course, challenges still bogged me down from time to time, but I feel like I have past experience to tell me that I will sooner or later figure out some coping mechanism, some solution, some strategy to deal with it and surmount obstacles, which is why I felt, of course, nervous to some degree, apprehensive, but also confident that moving to a foreign country for my undergraduate studies would be a move that I was capable of. And here I am now. I'm a junior at Stanford University, majoring in mathematical and computational science. Crazy to think that I'm already halfway through my undergraduate career. And I was really fortunate to be an ACB scholarship recipient last year and the year before. Oh, thank you so much. And we're very proud of you, Javier. And thank you for serving on the IRC and being a BITS member and all that. Um, okay, the next person will be Chantel. And Chanel, uh, Chantel, can you elaborate 
about your experiences and your journey. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I grew up in the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, where I was born with a condition um, called aculacutinous albinism. And in my community, people with albinism were viewed as outcasts and those bodies good only for sacrificial purposes. So the only reason I survived was because my parents believed that I had a right to leave. Growing up was a challenge. I remember going to school, not being able to see or read was what was on the board. And there were no accommodation for students with limited vision. All I could do was listen and borrow notes from others. My brothers would help me with my notes at home so I wouldn't get punished at school from not having notes. I remember telling my mother how I didn't see the pro prospect of going to school because I wasn't able to see. Um, but my mother reminded me how lucky I was. Um, after all, she did not have such an opportunity to attend school because she was married at 14 years old. So with my mother's, like with my, my mother's love in my heart, I, I built a determination to work hard. Um, although I wasn't able to see in school and I didn't have any accommodation to like be able to see, but I succeeded by just listening. Um, Accommodation was really difficult to get, and uh, um, I was relying on my family members to go everywhere, like around, um, in school or outside school. Well, that was sort of my life growing up, and uh, um, sadly, when I was 13 years old, I lost both my parents in a massacre. And this painful event changed my life. I, I had to live in many different countries uh, seeking for safety. I left my country, Democratic Republic of Congo, um, to a refugee camp in Uganda. I lived in a refugee camp for three years and made my way to another country in Nairobi again for safety and lived in Nairobi for another two years. And finally, I was resettled to the US in 2018 as a refugee. Um, so that's how like my journey growing up and coming to the US uh, um, in 2018, I started um, my secondary education not knowing the language at all. It was really, um, difficult because I didn't speak English and um and my first time in school I was surprised that I was able to receive accommodation here in the US. Um I I didn't know that something like that existed before coming in the US. Um, so finally, I succeeded, graduated with I honors in my school, and now I'm a first year at Wellesley College, um, continuing with my career. Thank you. Oh, de rien, Chantal, you're welcome. Je peux français aussi, très bien. Um, 
And um, so your story was very heart moving and very, um, but very challenging and you have the courage to overcome. And that's what I love about everybody's spirit and all these students. Thank you so much. Um, okay, now we will go to, uh, let's see. Oh, Ganya. Okay, we'll go to Ganya. Okay, Ganya, tell us about your journey and your experiences in your country. Okay, uh, Ghani, I had muted you because there was some background noise. Let me see if we can bring you back or you should be able to unmute as well. Okay. Hello, hello. There you go. Yes. Thank you. First of all, I want to say hi, everybody, and thank you so much for having me here today and for all of the messages forth and back with Miss Maria. Thank you so much. First of all, my name is Rania Usasi. I am from Algeria, North Africa. When I was in my country, I was a nurse. And when my vision started, uh, first of all, because I am one of the, uh, I grew up with on big family with seven brothers and three sisters, including me with my mom and dad. It's big family and it's a big challenge in my country. Then I was working really hard to improve myself. Then I did, I like, because I, my vision started to deteriorate when I have, I had my 15 years old. Then I'm always looking to do something like health, health field to understand why what I what I had. And then I, I was a nurse in my country for 13 years ago, when I was in my country, of course. Then when my vision started to deteriorate more, more and more and more, then I'm not allowed to do things in my in my own, and everybody looks at you. It's uh, as a disabled person, you can't do anything for yourself and things like that. Then for my then I'm always looking to to find some solution for myself to keep the like to go out of my country. Then when I get the chance to get my lottery, SDV lottery to United States, I took it without any hesitation because they need, I'm always looking to live an independent life. Even I'm glad they had all my family behind me, but even that sometimes I, I would like to live my life as an independent person. Unfortunately, in my country, when someone is blind, they look at you as a disabled person. You can't do anything for yourself. And, you know, it's very hard. Then when I came here, I came here on July, 2018. Like exactly, I have my four years here in the United States. Then when I came here, I, I don't speak any word in English. I don't know how to say even good morning for someone. Then if my life is, it's, I, I, I had a big challenge. Then I was looking to survive, how to survive, things like that. Then I informed that you can't, my nursing degree in Algeria here is nothing. Just go to find something to do because it's an unfortunate to find your, uh, 
nursing degree here in Texas. Then uh, somebody helps me to go to work at the daycare center. And I am very appreciated that uh, um, the owner who accepted me as a blind person to work there because I have some vision, I am visually impaired. Then when I worked there, I worked at the daycare center for nine months. After that, like I see myself, I didn't grow up and I didn't do anything. It just do things like small things, right? Then I got, I had the chance to go to a CCRC in Austin, Curricular Rehabilitation Center, which where I find all the door opens for me, then I'm glad for all my professors and teachers. When I was at CCRC, I was there on exactly for four months, for, so excuse me, for four months. Then after that, when the, with the pandemic, everything is shutting down, unfortunately, but I'm glad I was still with them virtually because when I was in my country, I never touched the computer. I don't know how to use it because of my vision and things like that. But when I, when I was at CCRC, I'm so, so glad I was there. I get all the assistive technology needed for me, especially for JAWS, how to, to use a computer, how to use things when I was at CCRC. After that, one of my, prof, one of my teachers for the career guidance, he told me, Rania, you need, you need to get some English courses. You need to improve yourself here because without English, I can't do anything. Then I, I and for I, he, he helped me to go to, uh, to, to enroll at Austin Community College. I took English as, uh, as a second language is ASOL classes for two years, almost two years with my prerequisite classes. Then I worked really, really hard. I'm glad they get all my grades. I have, I think, just one B or two, one or two Bs, all my grades with an A. I'm so glad, thanks God. Then after that, I, I because I was always looking to do something in health field, because of my, of my background as a nurse. So when I was in my country, I know here I can't do in the nursing degree because of my low vision. Then I am actually, I am enrolled at the Health Information Technology Program, which I'm so glad I was accepted. And now I am in the freshman for my first year freshman at the Austin Community College the, this, this fall. And yeah, this one is all my journey here in the United States. It's a big challenge for my life. And I'm glad I, achieve, I am looking to achieve all my uh, goals and especially my education goals. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ganea. And all of you have such indomitable spirits and willing to overcome all the challenges you had to face. Thank you. And last but not least, uh, we have Krishna. So go ahead, Krishna, and tell your story. Hey, guys. My name is Krishna. Am I audible? Mm, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Hi, my name is Krishna. I'm basically from a small town of India called Surat. As Bhavya told, like uh, my story quite resembles his story. When I was age of five to six, I was diagnosed with optic atrophy. 
the disease which can't be cured there was no surgery or anything kind of thing for me but the doctor told me that the i'll progressively lose my vision so by the age of 13 14 i lost it completely uh i would say that i was little bit unfortunate because i was from the small town of india and as india is a developing country there is a the infrastructure for disabled is really low there so i didn't got and i'm quite old than bhavya also so at that time around 2000 2005 there was not much awareness about jaws and everything so i got to know about the assistive technology very late in my uh very late in my teen uh, so however but i i wanted to pursue my career in business environment so i did my uh, bachelor's in commerce back there in india uh, then i ran my family business of manufacturing uh women attires i i ran it for 3 years it didn't give me some self independence because i was always uh, running something which was already created it was, i i didn't felt something mine own so yeah that pushed me to come back to the studies and at the age of 27 i'm here in new york doing my mba I'll be done with my graduation this fall, and hopefully I'll get. Uh, I'm looking for job in finance sector, like uh, investment banking or risk analysis or something kind of, a, which makes me wealthy and others wealthy. <laughs> That is yeah. fantastic, Krishna. I'm originally from New York, but I live in Maryland now. So thank you so much. And now, I would like oh. to turn it. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. Um, no, that's that's me. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know. I'm just going to say that I want to turn it over to you. I'm going to turn it over to you, Malia, for question two, and you can, you know, either reverse the order or, you know, mix it around, you know, of the panel. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I would like to say thank you, everyone, for being here and sharing your uh, stories and your new unique experiences. I would also like to apologize because um, I had technical difficulties and I wasn't able to <laughs> do my introduction earlier. So uh, let's uh, get right into the question. Let's see. Uh, how has your experience been as a student in the U.S., both academically and outside the classroom? like uh, socially and your extracurriculars. Uh, what successes and challenges have you faced in assimilating to the American education system as a blind or low vision uh, student, uh, low vision and international student? Um, let's see, we can go, let's have uh, Ganyo go first. Yeah. For me, it's like in the same time, it's a big challenge. And in the same time, it's it's an amazing experience. You know why? Because it's an amazing experience. I am I am I am having a challenge between my blindness and learning, learning a language, learning a culture, and having creating a friendship with my with friends here because it's very, very big challenges, which I like it because it pushes me. to grow up to grow up like more quickly yeah 
to grow up more quickly here and to follow all the the needed the the needed things to yeah to make myself to improve myself and how about my education i like the way here how things goes how things work especially for the, all the accommodation and all the accessibility because outside of the united states i don't think so any country has is more accessible has more accessible material for blind people as the united states especially because in my country we don't have anything and here i like i'm so glad and i'm so happy to have my uh, sas services like student accessibility services in austin which is very very accessible they have all the material like all the accessible material for me to put all my uh, like to to convert all my work toward documents and things like that i'm so glad they have them they have amazing experience yeah thank you cool. <laughs> uh thank you for that that's actually very interesting in that uh, i'm very glad that you've been able to uh, do well in America with like the accessibility and things like that. Um, let's go to uh, Chantel. How has uh, America been for you uh, with its educational system, socially, uh, and accessibility wise? Yeah, um, for me, it was kind of interesting because the first time I got to class here, I felt like I was just gonna do the same how I usually do at home, just go in class and listen and not taking notes. <laughs> um, and I did that a couple of times uh, uh, because I had my foster sister whom uh, accompanied me to school. And it just, my teacher noticed that I wasn't taking notes. I was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm not able to see what you're doing on the board. And really being able to, and she connected me with Mass Commission for the Blind, and I got involved and being able to have the accommodation that I needed um, was just, it was really mind blowing for me to imagine myself being in class with my CCTV, taking notes. That was a dream, a dream that I would have never dreamed of in my life. So that made me really, really happy and independent. Uh, I was able to take mobility training and be able to be, be able to use my cane and not relying on my siblings to go anywhere. So that was for me really another independent, um, like being in a way to get into my independency. Um, and it's just also assimilating to, you know, adapting to all like this unfamiliar tongue like my studies like everything was taught in English and I did not speak English that was really really challenging um as well as I grew up my parents uh, put this belief in me that oh you can you can do anything and I didn't know what my diagnosis was and I, I just knew that I couldn't see and my parents knew that I couldn't see but the no doctor told us really what really happened. So I didn't know what really happened. It, it was surprising for me to find out at 17 years old in the US that I was legally blind. And 
really what's really happened with um, the genes. And it's just, it just was a big surprise for me to find out what's happened. Um, you guys, I was dreaming to be a pilot, <laughs> but um, didn't happen just because I was believing in, you know, yes, I believed that I could do anything and the beliefs that my parents put in me, but still I wasn't believing in every bit of me. But as I became, I, I, as I began to believe in me and use my cane and not feel shy about using my cane, um, it's really helped. So basically my experience in the U.S. was really um it was tough to adapt to the culture in the US like the culture of being on time well in my country and when you have an appointment and it's like 4 p.m then you know you're gonna add two more hours on top of that so really it was a lot to adapt um using technology I've never had a computer before and um but I adapted to using my technology in school. So really I was able to graduate with high honors in my school and escape and escape 10th grade and being able to be accepted at Wellesley College. Like those are my biggest, like the biggest achievement for me being in college as a first, first generation um in my family it's really something that I celebrate um so those are like my <laughs> um like my experiences um being in the U.S. and uh, at the moment I'm just you know in school and developing um an international organization that will also support other refugee girls and people with um, my condition and low vision and blind people in refugee camp in particular. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. Right. I am so glad that you are learning and developing and being able to do this much stuff in America. Like, I'm sure we all know how liberating it is to gain independence and not have to rely on uh, the people around you to do basic things uh, and, you know, to get your own education. So I'm very glad that you've had that experience in America. Um, let's see. Let's go to uh, Krishna next. What is your experience as a student in the U.S. academically and socially as uh, from the perspective of a uh, VI or blind student? Honestly, I've been loving and embracing every each and single moment of my uh, time here. Like from, from the moment I have stepped, I have just loved and embraced every each and every moment. Uh, this country has given me so much in the last couple of years. Uh, I, I have been always good at academics, so it was, th there was never my concern academic. But the, the social point, like uh, as Chantel told, that uh, we learn how to walk by ourselves with the cane without any shyness. That gives us so much independence to be just where, where the heck we want to be. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a good kid at uh, Athletic. So recently I was selected for Team USA to play blind baseball. I, was, I went to Netherlands 
I was representing Team USA, a team won bronze, and I was awarded as top prospect of the tournament. I'm also into other sports like rock climbing. I'm competing right now uh, local tournaments in there. Uh, yeah, so I, I have been loved more than academically. Uh, academic part was never my concern, but uh, the opportunities this country has given as a student as socially, like putting, uh, not making excuse as blind, the equal opportunity has the country has given that that has boost my confidence so much that I can do anything. Like academic, I know I can do everything, but sometimes people don't give chances and it dampens your confidence. Uh, but out here, I have got, got every equal opportunity and I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's really amazing how involved you can get like especially like I don't know um you said you did a lot of stuff but uh like even here in ACB there's just a lot of stuff you can do uh involving that and I think that's amazing for you and I think that's amazing someone, for uh I'm hmm? sorry uh I'm sorry uh like someone told me that ACB uh can I ask this question uh sure <laughs> uh yeah, so we actually have a question um, at the end um, after our audience questions or depending on how we're doing with time about um, areas of interest in, in ACB or involvement. So if you want to okay. actually um, ask that then, that would be great. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, there are a lot of opportunities in ACB and we're, I'm very glad that you get to do that and be involved in uh so many things like in extracurricular in your social life. Um, let's move on to uh, Bavia, I believe. And what is your experience in the US academically and socially and all that kind of stuff? It's been a good time. It's been a good time. Um, I think there have been differences for sure that I continue to figure out whether it is in social cues or it is in the cultural knowledge that people have or just figuring out some of the ways and mannerisms of the land. So things like what a certain scheduled time means that actually means that time as opposed to oftentimes um, in India as well, you just added a bit of a buffer knowing that things were not going to start on time. Some lateness was to be expected. I think on the abundance of opportunities, I've definitely felt that. The flip side of that, however, is that sometimes it's easy to feel overwhelmed by the many directions in which you can be pulled because there just is so much really, really interesting and fascinating. But time-taking and effort-intensive stuff that you can be involved in. So it's been interesting to come from a place where I had to carve out all of my opportunities to here, wherein I need to figure out what my limits are, when my plate is too full, and at what point I have to say no and turn down opportunities. So that's been quite interesting. I have had to watch movies so that I can get some of those references to inside jokes, um, some of them classics in American pop culture. 
um and overall i felt quite fulfilled i'm really happy about my decision to pursue my undergraduate studies here and be surrounded at an institution that i'm really delighted to be at but also surrounded by people who really are open minded and ambitious and intellectually stimulating in a way that i've never felt before so it's been a good time i'm glad i'm glad <laughs> um nonverbal cues and as well as like the cultural shift must be like super difficult. I know even there's a cultural difference between the south of the US and the north of the US, so I can't really imagine how it is in uh whole different countries. Um I will turn it back over to Meryl to ask I, the third question. Thank you, Malia. And before I ask the third question, I just want to say that all of you have overcome language barriers and have excellent vocabulary and you speak so well and you're so confident and I'm really proud of all of you. Okay, so first I'm going to start with Krishna. To what extent do you think any blindness related skills which you have learned in the US would be transferable to your country of origin? Uh, it's kind of a tricky question. I, I, I I'm still learning, and uh, I think that India is also improving much. But if if any skill, I, I won't say skill, but I would like to, uh, I would like to set up some uh, centers for the blinds where they can uh, easily access the resources. I won't say any skills. But, India is a huge country. There is an abundance of skills and potential there. But the uh, the main barrier I faced uh, was that uh, I never knew where to go and how to avail the resources. So if if possible, I would like to set up lots of centers so that every every blind person, irrespective of the small or the big city, he can get every resources. Because as an Indian, I know we got the potential and the skills. We just need a we need someone to show the way. Very good, excellent. Um, now I am going to ask Chantal the same question. Go ahead. Sorry, what was the question? Oh, um, what extent uh, do you think any blindness-related skills, which you have learned or are still learning in the US would be transferable to your country of origin? Oh, so many. <laughs> um, like really it's it's sad to think that um, there, there are so many young people like me in my country who are living through what I was living at the moment being in school, not being able to see or take notes. Um, basically, to my experience, coming to the US, I didn't know what I wanted as an accommodation when people asked me like, "What? how can we help you? I'm like, I don't know, just because I've never used any accommodation before. So basically it's sort of like, you know, when 
you never used anything before. So it was really difficult for me to know what I needed. But the more I got to try different technology, the more I got to know what really was helpful. I think there are so many transferable skills that could be transferred in my country, um, starting from mobility to like technology wise, like, I mean, accessibility is everything and accessibility set set me free and set me into uh, success and independence. And I think everybody deserves to have that. Um, and that is something that I think really my country is behind in supporting people with vision impairment or low vision or blind. So it's just uh, really, I think <laughs> starting from zero, <laughs> too <laughs> um yeah so basically i would say that accessibility starting from like mobility technology wise um like just all the accommodation wonderful and you know chantelle you have learned to advocate for yourself and also and everybody else and also the computer has opened such a world for everybody, um, a new world. Um, accessibility is truly awesome. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, and Ganya, what are your thoughts? For me, if one day I will, I will have a chance to transfer something in my country, I will, I will do first all the assistive technology all the assistive technology, starting from the screen reader, CCTV, all the magnification, things like that. And especially for the voiceovers, like how to use the phone, because especially now the technology is everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. I would like one day, because here in the United States, we are, we are lucky. I want to say we are lucky because we are here and everything is accessible for us. Just we need to, uh, to work hard and improve ourselves. But for our countries, unfortunately, they don't have anything. And for me, I would like one day if I will get the chance to help or to advocate for them, I will start for the, all this assistive technology and, for, of course, with the mobility, orientation and mobility, how to use the cane, how to travel safety and how to live an independent life. Because it's not easy when someone is blind. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Now I'll turn it over to Malia. Oh, uh, Meryl, just uh, quickly, we haven't heard from Bhavya yet. On oh, this. I'm sorry. Bhavya. No, no problem. No problem at all. Bhavya. Meryl, no feelings. Don't worry about it. Um, no, no, but it was really fascinating to hear what everyone else had to say. The one thought that continuously came to mind is just the degree of difference in the state of accessibility in some of our countries of origin and the United States. Because, of course, uh, there's always something that kind of sort of works back at home. And accessibility in the United States is not perfect either. But just the fact that all of us have felt this huge positive delta since making our moves 
is indicative of how farther along the US has been in its attitudes towards blindness, disability, accessibility, and inclusion. The one skill that I often think about the transferal of to the Indian context is orientation and mobility, something folks touched on, gain travel. I think people who met me at convention know that I kind of use my cane quite a bit. Um, and there certainly is that component of there just being more training resources available out here. I was really fortunate to acquire much of my cane travel skills from a blind travel instructor at a residential blindness training center. So learning the tricks of the trade from someone with the lived experience themselves. That said, I often think about how applicable some of those techniques are in India. The fact that we just have way more population density and it's really crowded. So having a cane that comes up as high as almost your height might be challenging to extend fully ahead of you because it's just much more likely in India for there to be lots of people around you and for you to need to kind of shorten your cane up in contrast to the US. I think about things like street crossings, wherein you have demarcated crosswalks and stop signs and lights and cars not being perfect at following those rules, but you still being able to count on that general expectation of those traffic patterns existing. In contrast, in India, you kind of just wait for there to be a gap in the traffic flow and go for it. And blind people just require set assistance for that. And I think about all of those things, the sort of scattered, unstructured layout of places in India. But all of those, while they do make me realize the fact that travel skills that I've acquired in the US and apply daily out here to travel comfortably and confidently and independently might not fully and in the exact same way cross apply, but there still is a lot of value. And I wish and I hope someday I can make some contributions to the effort of dispersing this knowledge to my own country. I know you will, Javier, because you are so smart, so intelligent. Thank you. And and all of you, just the challenges of learning mobility and how to travel. And, you know, that's just mind blowing. <laughs> so thank you so much. And now I will turn it over to Malia. All right. So. Um, well, first of all, I would like to say I can give testimony to the fact that, yes, Bavia does use his cane like a weapon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now it is time for uh, audience Q&A. We have time for that. So uh, we can alternate between the Zoom and the clubhouse if anybody has a question. So go on, ask questions. <laughs> All right. So, yes, if you have any questions, uh, you can in Zoom, you can raise your hand or request to speak in Clubhouse. And I am not seeing any hands at the moment. 
So let's, um, Herbie, is there anyone in Clubhouse? There are currently no raised hands in the Clubhouse. All right. Well, hearing none at the moment, um, then why don't we, uh, Malia, why don't we shift to our uh, question that I had mentioned earlier, and then we can uh, come back and, and see if there are any questions at that point. All right. Oh, um, okay. There oh, we go. go Sorry. There Sorry. we go. No problem. <laughs> I couldn't unmute myself for a second. Okay. So our question is, okay. In what area of ACB have you gotten involved or are there any areas of ACB about which you would be interested in learning more about? So first we can hand this off to Bavia, who is also on the executive board with me. Sorry, I answered your question, but. <laughs> so on. I am on the executive board of ACB students and, and I serve on the international relations committee as well and it's been a really wonderful experience getting to know the people and doing some good work as part of both. Uh, uh, Malia, are you still? I think we're having some technical challenges. There. Sorry. There you Sorry. go. I, <laughs> I am having trouble unmuting myself. Um, okay. No so um, next, let's go to uh, Chantal. Um, what areas of ACB are you currently involved in or are you interested in getting involved in? <laughs> currently, um, not so involved yet with ACB. Um, first of all, I'm grateful, so grateful for ACB's scholarship. I've received twice a scholarship at the moment and it has helped me so much with my education, um, books and supplies and stuff. Um, I just want to just say that out, out loud how grateful I am um, to the committee and everyone who have contributed to that. I would really love to be more involved with ACB's advocacy and as well as just thinking of the work that I'm doing in East Africa, uh, studying a secondary school where I might have uh, some, you know, people who are like young kids who are blind or low vision, you know, is there any, any way we could like partner or do something together to support those kids? So like, um, I would love to get involved and to learn more how to get involved. Thank you. Right, right. The, um, I think, you know, this committee that's uh, putting this on, like uh, the, I guess, head facilitators of this would probably be a big help in doing that. Um, let's see, uh, Krishna, would you like to go next? In what areas of uh, ACB have you been involved in? Are you involved in? Are you interested in? No, unfortunately, I have been not involved in CB in any context. I tried. I, I was I, as a scholarship recipient. I was at the conference, so I tried to connect with few of the people so I can serve in some some position at ACB student. But things didn't work out. I tried to contact few of the people, 
but things didn't work out they didn't responded me back or something or like that but i would love to contribute my time in any way possible uh, irrespective of any of the committee or department i would love to contribute my time and contribute my skills in helping acp um yeah in any way possible i talked with uh, one of the person at uh, employment committee uh, and he said that acb organization is not right now prioritizing employment so i would love to be uh, on that path helping not only in the scholarship part to, to help people educate but to find them job also so somehow in some employment committee or what i would like to be on that part Oh, because after that's we really get the, neat, yeah. yeah because after we get the education we need a job also right right <laughs> yeah education. <laughs> pay off your student loans um yeah. yeah like um i don't know uh how it happened after the convention but i know like i would as well as you know bavia greg and like the outreach committee uh which i'm a part of we are definitely ready to you know outreach to you if you would like to get involved um like i guess later i will talk about the social media in my i guess outro but yeah uh if you would like to just you could just dm anybody on facebook the acb students facebook or instagram or anything like that i'm i'm on the acb student group uh No, I'm on the ACB Next Gen uh, group. Oh, and um, I believe you're also in the group. You're in the group me. So if you would like to get more involved in that, like the convention group me, you if you would like to get more involved in that, you could um, you could basically uh, do a direct message to uh, uh, let's see, Olivia, Bavia, Greg, me, uh, Tati. just any of us. Um so, so let's see let's move to Ghana I believe. Um uh have you what have you been involved in ACB or do you would you like to be involved or are you interested in? Sure actually I am involved with the ACB chapter here in uh, Texas because I was I am a member with the Alamo Council of the Blind chapter here in San Antonio and in Austin too and I would like yeah I need to like to grow all more and more my advocacy for the blind students to advocate more about uh, student yeah blind students this one is my goal to advocate and to to involve more and more and to have a lot of information with how to involve and how to create more to have more opportunities and to do the volunteers with them yeah right yeah i know even like domestically there and even in some of the uh, state blind schools there's not a lot of awareness about what acb does so that is definitely a noble goal to have um let's see Uh okay so uh I guess my part in this uh, I didn't get to say it in my intro sorry about that but I am 
here as a facilitator on behalf of uh, the ACB student affiliates. Uh, we are, let's see, we are basically a group that helps advocate and we are primarily made up of college age students as in young adults in their late teens to early 20s but we do accept anyone who goes to college so like we uh greg who is on our executive board he's i believe in his 40s and he's a college student and he's on our executive board so as long as you're a student then you are qualified to join um, so if you would like to get in contact with us, you can follow any of our social medias, which is just ACB students. I believe we're on TikTok. I don't know. I don't have it, but we are on TikTok as ACB students. We are on Facebook also as ACB students, just anywhere you can type that in. Um, and if you would like to get involved with that, then, then you can just DM and someone will respond. I believe it is Olivia who is in charge and in control of that. Or, you know, you could just, I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, 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 that's, that's an avenue. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so it is, I would like to, I would just say ACB students is a really fun thing to be a part of. It, for me, I, it has helped me just grow as a person and I've loved meeting all of the people there with different and unique experiences like I'd uh Bavia for example he's really cool he's a very different perspective on uh life and just a lot of advice but anyway that's my two cents about ACB students um Meryl over to you sure sure Malia thank you and I would like to say that this has been absolutely fascinating and all of you are already leaders in your own right doing everything that you are doing. So you will be awesome as future leaders in ACB as you travel far in your journey and in life also and in everything that you do. And I want to thank you all. All right. And I'd like to thank you all as well. Um, wow. <laughs> I was just, um, I was, I was blown away. Uh, I certainly appreciate your, your candor and your just genuineness. And, and I love the enthusiasm and, and the motivation to overcome every hurdle and just, you all are going to definitely go far. And um, this has been uh, so wonderful to uh, spend some time with you and, and get to know more about you. Um, I'll say a bit in terms of the International Relations Committee. Uh, first, as a general comment, um, some of you have expressed interest in reaching out to committees, and I would definitely uh, advise going to acb.org slash committees, uh, so plural, and um, you will see the different committees there. Uh, for example, the Employment Committee is one of them, and uh, for all the committees, there is contact information for uh, the chairs and if applicable co-chairs, vice chairs. So I would definitely encourage you to uh, reach out uh, where you feel you have an interest and can contribute. And about the International Relations uh, Committee, we, uh, and we are one of the, on that committee's page, you'll see our webpage as well. Uh, we 
seek to uh, promote uh, the understanding and empowerment of people who are blind or have low vision around the world through activities like uh, these community calls and our convention presentations where we have uh, our Voices Around the World luncheon and um, other uh, workshops and presentations as well. And we curate ACB Forum magazine issues focused on the international experience. And um, we uh, also are able to uh, have been able to work with some uh, organizations in uh, developing countries to be able to uh, solicit from ACB members some equipment and materials and such for uh, the, the blindness organizations in emerging uh, nations. And so would definitely encourage you to visit uh, our website, as I said, off of the acb.org slash committees page and click on international relations. We have lots of archived material there for your enjoyment, our convention presentations, the forum issues that we have um, curated, our community calls where this call will be placed as well once it is a podcast out on the ACB community podcast and uh, more information about our special projects and what kind of materials we're uh, looking for. And so, and if you have an interest and uh, think you'd like to, you know, get involved or find out more and such, uh, definitely reach out via, again, on that website is our uh, contact information for myself and for Meryl. So we would uh, love to hear from you. Absolutely. So, um, with that, let me just do one more quick check. Are we, if we do have any questions on Zoom or Clubhouse, I am not seeing any hands in Zoom. Any on Clubhouse? Heard me. All right. Well, no, with no that, then I'd like to again thank all of you so much who are listening live or who are going to listen to this via podcast. I hope you have felt inspired and motivated as I think we all have uh, tonight. And I uh, hope that you will stay in touch with, with us and students and um, all of the other great uh, committees and affiliates that make up ACB. And so with that... I wish you all a great night. Thank you so much. I want to just say thank you so much for having me here today and for all my all my all the other students scholarship recipients. I will be really appreciate. And I'm looking to forward to meet you in the future. Thank you so much and have a nice evening and great night. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank Good you night, for everybody. coming. Yes, Good have night. a great night. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks to Herbie for streaming and for broadcasting and uh, definitely a team effort. And thank you everyone for, for uh, coming and listening.